All right. I don't know if I'm in sin, but this, every time I get up here, this mic puffs in and out. So let's hope that it stays this time because it just puffed in and out on me. Um, a few announcements before we get started. <clears throat> One is, August 22nd, we are having baptisms. This is a much better, we're on a much better schedule than last year. It was like November 21st and we were dunking people in the Mystic River. We went by a little dirt road, past a shopping cart. And we went in and ducked them. It was beautiful. But let, let's, let's be wise. Let's dunk them in August. So if you're someone who wants to get baptized and has not been baptized, um, this be a great time to do it and just declare what's going on inwardly with the outward expression of baptism. If you're interested in that and that's something you want to do, see one of the pastors um, and just let us know. Also, we're having a members forum August 13. So if, you, if this is your home, you are a member. The family's having a meeting. We're getting together to talk about things on August 13th. It's Friday the 13th. I don't know why they rolled like that, but this is how we're doing it. September 17th, if you're someone who has been coming here and you're not a member yet, but you'd like to become a member, we're having a member class on September 17th. And we just invite you, if you don't have a church home, to come join us at Seven Mile Road and be part of this community um, if you're looking for a home and you feel like this is a place you could call home and a people you could call family. Okay. What we're going to talk about today is the foolishness of isolation and how the wise are part of community. We see that God himself is in community. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit perfectly relate to each other, love each other, each other, and care for each other. And we're made in the image of God. So we have that hunger inside of us to be part of each other, to love each other, to care for each other. We also see that when God made Adam, he said it's not good for man to be alone. I can attest to that. It's not good for man to be alone. So he made a woman to be his friend, his companion, and his helper. And they got to work and started making a bigger community. There has to be some significance to Jesus walking around 13 deep all the time. If the Son of God comes to earth and he's not always isolated, <clears throat> but he's walking around with 13 brothers who love each other, protect each other, fight for the same purpose, then I think if Jesus needed community, I would say that I'm in a league that I need to be in community. But that goes against everything in us sometimes. We are selfish sometimes. We have a sinful nature. And we make statements like, I don't need anybody. I can do it all by myself. I don't need anyone to depend on. People are weak who need to tell their problems to each other. People are weak who need to confess their sin for each other. People are weak who need to open up to each other. And this is a lie from the enemy. This is not wise. And God instructs us to be in community. We're in a culture that loves to isolate ourselves. Our idols are people who are independent, who don't need anyone, don't need to ask for help. And we really sometimes, we strive to be like that. But God has told us to strive for something different. He's told us to strive to be part of a community and to bring glory to his name. I see this a lot, people isolating themselves in church culture. Because just because you're here on Sunday mornings, you smile, you shake a few hands, you dress a little nicer, you have a haircut. 
I got a haircut. My wife's a barber. You think I get more haircuts, but it's not true. I still have to drive the marble head to get a haircut. Ridiculous. But we put on these masks sometimes. And just because you're here on Sundays does not mean you're part of a community. It does not mean that you are allowing yourself to be known and, uh, and coming to know people. This is the one of the things that really bothered me growing up in church. Everyone would act a certain way during the week. Everyone would dress differently, talk differently, act differently. Then Sunday came. It was 8 a.m. Everyone's singing praise the Lord songs. They're wearing different stuff. They're talking different. They're walking different. They're relating to their children different, relating to their wife different. I said, what's going on here? Well, we all come out to have a parade, put on our masks, and act like everything's all right, that we're not sinners in need of a Savior. I could never understand that. That never helped create deep, authentic community. Because really, we were in a crowd, but we weren't part of community. We isolated ourselves, even though we were in a group. And that can happen. I know personally, I come from a long line of loners. My father is the most antisocial human being on the planet. He likes German shepherds, and that's it. He even had on his answering machine once. Me and Nicole, man, ain't here right now. He put his dog on the answering machine like they both weren't there. Because he couldn't stand people so much that he isolated himself. Much more of my family, they love, they're very antisocial. In fact, one of my family members thinks that in heaven, it will just be each of us individually. Like we each have our own heaven. And that's one of the things that makes it heaven. We're all alone. This is totally against the wisdom that God teaches us. This is totally against the way that God is pushing us and how he created us. We're made to love and to be loved by each other and by God. So let's read the scripture that we're going to really learn from today. It's in Proverbs 18.1. It It says, Whoever isolates himself, seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. And we're really going to meditate on this verse and really try to break it down. Something funny happens when we're saved, when we're justified by faith, through grace. Our desires do and should change. We should no longer live for ourselves But we should be living for the glory of God. We should be following the greatest commandment, which is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others the same as ourselves. And so God gives us new desires. It says in Ephesians 2 that he put to death our old, our lusts of the flesh, and our carnal mind. And we would seek after the desires of the flesh and just seek to satisfy ourselves. And now it says that we have been made alive in Christ. The Holy Spirit indwells us, and now we should seek to give God the glory and live for his glory and love others. Because gospel and community, you cannot separate the two. And we're not called to be a selfish people. Because of our sinful nature, because of our own lust, it's very easy to be selfish. And selfishness leads to isolation. This is what this verse is telling us. What is the root of isolation? So many times we can say we're victims, that's why we're isolating ourselves. But the Word of God is telling us we're selfish, and that's why we are isolating ourselves. I was watching a show the other day. Does anyone watch What Will You Do? 
They set up this scenario where they, they put actors in these situations to see how people respond. And they had the situation where there were these three guys beating up another guy. And it was right on the sidewalk. And I can see that some people saw this episode. And people were walking by. And I was amazed, amazed. And I hope by grace I would act better in the situation so I don't want to judge anyone. But they were walking by. 95% of the people didn't want anything to do with it. And so when they, they get right up on them with the mic after, and they bring the camera over, and they're like, oh, shoot, I should have responded differently. I didn't know I was on TV. You know what their answer was of why they didn't help? They said, because I thought I might get hurt. They were thinking about themselves first, and they were allowing their selfishness to dictate their behavior. We can allow our selfishness to dictate how we behave. And selfishness can cause us to live in isolation. The Hebrew word for isolation here can be translated in, in two ways. One is to be reclusive or be a recluse, that you're in community. And for whatever selfish reason that you have, you pull yourself back from the community and you isolate yourself and you don't want to be a part of it. So you, that's your own action. The other one is to be divisive. This is the person that is always gossiping about people, is always accusing people, always wants to argue with people, is never happy. They make statements like, I hate when people aren't real. Come on. I, can't, I really can't take another person playing the victim in our society. Truth is, a lot of it's going on in here because we're sinful. They make statements and they push people away because they're divisive. And they haven't learned to live in community. They haven't learned, like Matt talked about last week, to watch their words. And they hurt people. And they tear them down to the point where people say, I can't do it anymore because this is destroying my life. They're leaving a path of destruction. So I've got to pull away because they're going to destroy me. So we have people who are reclusive and people who are divisive. And that brings us to our verse. And I just want to talk about a few reasons why I see in today's culture, and I talk specifically in the church culture, but I'm also talking about marriage and relationships, of why people pull away from community. One is community is hard work. It's hard work to be in community. It's a lot easier to go home, be by yourself, watch ESPN. If you want to go work out, go work out. Come home, go play some basketball, come home again, hang out, eat what you want to eat, order out. It's that's easy. We love to not think of anyone else or have to work or lay down our lives. But community is hard work. Anyone that's been married for any amount of time realize it's hard work. Hard work. And not just because of the other people, because of you. Because I'm thinking about this, preaching this to myself, preaching the pots and pans in my kitchen. And I'm thinking, I'm selfish right now. You're preaching this. I'm thinking the hard work is with everyone else and it's not dealing with me. It's hard work to be in a marriage. All of a sudden, if you don't go to work that day, the bills don't get paid for your family. You can't just switch jobs and you're by yourself and live in your mama's basement. All of a sudden, the things you say not only affect yourself, but they affect others. All of a sudden, you have to listen. I should have took a class on listening. Because a lot of listening happens in community. Well, I have to stop thinking about myself. Stop doing what Matt talked about last week, waiting for someone to stop. I have to listen to people because I love them. I have to work 
have to take out the trash every Thursday night or I get in big trouble. If that trash is out there on Friday morning, there's a price to be paid. You know, it's hard to be in community. You look on the city, you see somebody's moving. Not then. No. And I enjoy moving the coals. Don't get me wrong. But there's a part of me that is so selfish that I say, not on Friday afternoon, Dan, no. But it's hard work to get out there and to give your time and your life and your energy. But we are called to give our life. And we're prone to give all of our time, all of our finances, all of our energy to ourselves. And what God is trying to teach us is we're supposed to be giving that time to each other. And by doing that, we're loving him. That's the greatest mystery. I've always been blown away by this. To love God is to love others. That's amazing to me. The second reason why I think people really pull away from community is because they don't want people to see their flaws. Like I said earlier, we love wearing masks. We love for people to think that we're something that we're not. And when they, they see that there's a flaw in us, when they see that there's places of weakness and frailties and that we have fears, we want to get out of that community and create a new identity where we just walk in, look at that guy. He's the man. We want to be the man or be the woman in every situation because we don't find our identity in Christ. We find our identity in what people think of us. One of the most beautiful things that has happened at Seven Mile Road, and I'm a pretty open person, but I had no idea what I was in store for when I came to Seven Mile. I went to the first passage track, and I'm thinking, maybe I'll tell them I stole that bike from my neighbor when I was six years old. These dudes are coming out the cut with stuff that, wow. I said, wow, let's know each other. They were so open that it changed even me, who's a very open person, to be more open, not about stuff that no one makes us still look good. Like, sorry, Matt, that I'm referring to your message a lot. Actually, that, that's a testament to how it affected me, but we want to use manipulative speech when we're open. We want to say just enough where we look like we might need help, but we still look good. We're not as frail as we really are. We're, we're not really telling how weak we are. But God calls us to totally open up, and it's so freeing that we don't have to walk around and act like something we're not. And I think that's one of the reasons that we don't have a lot of gossip in this community. There's nothing to gossip about because we're telling everybody. No one's wearing a mask, so it's not like he's doing that. No one's blown away when something happens because we're so open and we're carrying each other's burdens and we're praying for each other and we're caring about each other and we're loving each other that there's no gossiping because we're so open. Because we don't find our identity in how we perform. We find our identity in how Jesus performed on the cross and who he is and what he did for us. We're gospel-centered, meaning Jesus dictates our identity. Not our failures, not our fears. And by doing that, we are shaped into the image of Christ. And it's sad sometimes when I see people finally start to open up and finally start to share themselves and their struggles and their strengths and their goals and their dreams. And then they share it and you never see them again. It's like they were happy at the moment. They go home and say, oh, man, my my cover's blown. They know who I am. I got to get to another community and create another identity. I encourage you never to never isolate yourself. 
because you feel like you've blown your cover or people think wrongly of you because the root of that or they don't think highly of you highly of you the root of that is pride and it's sin and we're called to be a community that's humble and seeks the best for each other the third reason why i think people isolate another selfish reason from community is we don't want to be accountable from a person who had a lot of trouble with authority growing up because the people who were in authority in my life really let me down, I didn't want to answer to anyone because I said I want to answer to anyone because they don't have my best interest in mind. I have to look out for myself. I have to tell them off. Anyone said anything, it was like, what are you trying to say? I guess the point was some people ask you, how are you? And you say, what are you trying to say? You know, you, you think everyone's trying to talk down to you. You think everyone's thinking less of you. You think people are trying to tell you what to do. And we don't want to be accountable because we don't want to change. Our sinful nature does not want to always change. Actually, never wants to change. And know what happens when you get into community? People hold you accountable. This doesn't only happen in the church. And it should happen more in the church because I think that many of us are cowards and not being honest and calling people out on sinful lifestyles. I really do. I think people are more afraid that people won't like them or they leave the church or their paycheck might get messed up than they are about loving each other. But you think, okay, if you've ever been a part of a community where partying is at the center, where partying is the God, revelry is the God, you know that if you miss one or two Friday nights, they're going to call you out. Where have you been? You don't like us anymore? You're too good for us? You can't party with us? You can't hang? That works with the guys, not with the girls. They'll call you out. If you're in a violent community, I watch the History Channel, so I watch Gangland once in a while. I know a few guys catch that. You're accountable to be violent. And if you're not acting like, if you're acting like someone who doesn't want to get what they call work done or be violent, or lay down your life on them, they'll call you out and they'll excommunicate you or they'll do something worse. Every community keeps people accountable. And of course, those are sinful communities that have sin at the center of them. How much more in a gospel-centered community should we be keeping each other accountable? In a loving way. I'm not talking about in the legalistic rules, you're not dressing like me, you're not parting your hair like me kind of way. I'm talking about we have been called to live a holy life before a holy God, and we've been given the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. And no longer can we stomp on grace, but we can allow grace to be the launching pad that, you know, propels us into transformation. We need to hold each other accountable. Sometimes it seems so much satisfying not to have accountability, but you'll look back 10 years and say, I haven't changed at all. Because I have no one in my life who loves me enough to challenge me. To say stuff to me when I'm not doing the right thing. Which brings us to the second part of the verse, which says, breaks out against all sound judgment. It's interesting that they use the word breaks, breaks out. Because I think a lot of us look at community as if it was a prison to live in. Instead of a gift that God has given us. I got to break out of this relationship. How many guys I hear call their wife balls and, ball and chain? That's how we think about our wife? Not he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains the favor of the Lord? Now my wife's a ball and chain? How selfish is that? 
Instead of be thankful that God has given me a wife, given a wretched sinner like me a wife, who I wouldn't marry myself. I'm going to pain in the neck sometimes. Instead of looking at community like, there's actually people who love me, who are going to pray for me, who are going to speak into my life, who are going to declare the gospel when I'm having trouble believe it, believing it. We're mad because we haven't been to church in four months and they're asking us where we are. They're so legalistic. Dude, I just haven't seen you for four months. If, if my daughter didn't come home for dinner for three days, I, actually one day I'd be like, where were you? We're afraid to keep each other accountable. When the truth is, you keep people accountable who you love. This is one of the toughest things, getting married. Woo! All of a sudden, I had to tell, people, tell my wife when I'm going to the store. I went where I wanted. I'm going out the door like it's the same old thing. She said, where are you going? I was like, store. But there was something in me saying like, who are you to ask me where I'm going? I go where the wind brings me. Haven't you heard? It was a whole different scene. But it was my selfishness. Like, part of relationship is giving up ourself and being accountable to each other. And we shouldn't want to break out of that. We should want to run into that. Why is it foolish? A few more reasons why it's foolish to isolate yourself. One, we spoke a little about this. Because if you isolate yourself, you don't have people who will speak honestly into your life. In Proverbs, it says that flattering words set a trap. Set a trap. But open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Now, I'm not saying we should go around just be calling everyone out. But I'm saying there is a time to be open and honest, and we need to be sensitive to the Spirit. Because you'll see more transformation from being open and honest than you will from trying to protect your relationship. I went to a church where they had the special. They went on the special. Someone gets up and they sing that Ray Bolt song or the Via Della Rosa. Or they sing, um, you know all the songs. What's the other one that was a classic? The Via Della Rosa. And I forget the other one. But there's another classic that they always sing. And so they'd have a person, but they didn't put any screening for the people who would come up and sing. So a person would be like, man, I want to sing Watch the Lamb. Can I get up there? Next you know he's up there. So I'm sitting. This one guy's up there. And this brother was as tone deaf as they come. He started singing. So I'm like, okay, maybe he didn't sleep last night. Maybe he's a little sick. So I'm thinking, how is the congregation going to react to this? Because this is horrendous. You know, if, he, if it was American Idol, he'd be one of those guys that keep showing the clip of. The song ended... People cheered like uh, Bono was up there, like Johnny Cash just got off the stage. People were going wild. I said, you know that moment when you feel like you could be in a group of crazy people? I said, I might be around a lot of crazy people. And so after I had people going up to him, one guy had the audacity to walk up to him and say, man, you sound just like Johnny Cash. I said, this guy's either really has a great testimony <laughs> Uh, He's just totally flattering this guy and afraid to tell him the truth. You know what it did? People kept telling him things that were not the truth. And I'd hear people talking behind the scenes and say, how are we going to get this guy to stop singing? But then when they saw him, they'd say, man, you can sing like Johnny Cash. He started going to other churches and be like, man, I'm a singer. He started believing it because that's what his community was telling him. And the poor guy was going to all these different places. And everyone's talking behind his back saying, man, is this guy going to sing again? This is horrendous. 
that shows me that people love themselves more than they loved him. That shows me there wasn't a guy or a woman who had the courage to love him enough to say, man, I got to be honest, singing is probably not the path you want to take. Are you good with your hands? Needs someone to be honest with him so he doesn't live his life, wasting his life on things that he thinks he can find his identity in. But he finds his true calling and his true gifting because people spoke honestly to him and loved him enough to do that. Secondly, when we isolate ourselves, the enemy devours us. We've seen the National Geographic Channel when the lions are chasing those wildebeests. And what do they do? They don't jump into that crew because those wildebeests are no joke, man. They eat grass, but they'll throw you. And he was throwing this lion, and they didn't want to get in there. And so they try to get the weak one off. So they keep trying to get that weak one off. And once they isolate him from the community, from the herd, from the crowd, they start picking off at him. And they take a little piece of the thigh. They jump on his neck, and they start to weaken him. And he can't fight back. If he was in the community, in the crowd, in the herd, he would be protected. But because he's been isolated, he's open to destruction. And that's what the enemy does to us. And I've seen that so many times. I've seen people isolated for some of the reasons we talked about. But most of the reasons are rooted in selfishness. And I see their faith shipwrecked. I see their life shipwrecked. I see them start making statements that I don't know if Jesus is the only way to heaven. Maybe there's many gods, maybe there's no gods, because they have no one to speak truth into their life. They have no one, when they're hearing those lies, to say, man, that's not who you are. You're not that person who's worthless. You're that person who Jesus died for. You've been redeemed, you've been bought with a price, you're brought into the community of Christ. Because they isolated themselves, and I don't want to see that for anyone here. I don't want to see that for our children, that we are isolated and we are destroyed. We're called to be a community who fights for each other, who protects each other, who knows the gospel so well inside and out that we respond to each other in that same way. Then we're not judging each other, but we're loving each other and we're caring for each other. And we see someone's in trouble, we're not saying that's what he gets. We're saying, I'm going to him to preach the gospel. I don't care what people think about me. I don't care what he or she thinks about me. I love them enough that I don't want to see them go off alone and isolate themselves. So what do we do if we're a person who is prone to isolate ourselves? We always start with the gospel, which leads us to what? Repentance. If you're a person who finds yourself isolating yourself, I would say repent of your sin. And the God who forgives us, who finished it, he freely forgives all who confess their sin. Secondly, I would say throw yourself into community. Throw yourself in there. Because if you're prone not to be in community, know what you're going to do? Give me six more months. I'll be ready to hang out with people. You've got to throw yourself into community. And if you're part of this church, I would encourage you to get in a soul care group. And if you're not in a soul care group, I would ask you, ask you to ask yourself this question. Why am I not in a soul care group? I understand some people can't because of certain reasons. So this is not a legalistic statement. But I would like you to ask yourself, 
Why am I not in a soul care group? Why am I not going deeper in the community? Why am I not allowing myself to be known? Why am I not giving of my time? And it is intimidating to get in the soul care group. It's stressful doing that first timeline. That's a lot of stress for one man and one woman. You got to write it out. Then you get up there and you say something and you go home. Man, should I have said that? Then you're off that night, man, they think differently of me. You have to make yourself vulnerable. So I encourage you to go deeper in community because you can't separate the gospel and community. No one loves God just by themselves. We love them. We love him with our brothers and our sisters, which leads to the next one. I know a lot of people maybe have been hurt by past relationships in churches. Maybe your pastors have let you down or the community let you down, so you're less likely to want to jump back into a community. I would encourage you to do this. Trust that God's not only working in you, but he's working in other people. And I'm not saying the seven-mile road, that we don't have our flaws. But I would say that the gospel is at the center of what we do and how we love each other in community. And I'm going to have to trust that God's put men and women in my life who he's shaping to love me and care for me. And I can trust them with some of my deepest secrets. And I can trust them with some of my deepest fear. And I can trust them with some of my deepest sins. And I can let them carry my burdens with me. That will change your life. When you know that you're not in this alone. But you have a God who loves you with everything he is. And a community that loves you with everything they are. So in closing, let's not as a community be fools who isolate ourselves because of selfishness, but let's be people who love each other and who are in community together and the gospel's at the center. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much that you have given us each other. We're so thankful that You've reconciled us to yourself. And we're so thankful that you give us each other, Lord, because we're not meant to walk this road alone. And if we have sin in our life and we've been selfish, I pray that you forgive us and you lead us out as a community. That we might rejoice together in the God of our praise, the God of our salvation, and what you have done for us, and how you have set the example by laying down your life for us. We should lay down our lives for each other. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your goodness. Amen.